general nerdery. Usually for these intros, I try and like sing a song or like say a joke from the movie or quote something. And everything I could think of for this, I'm like, I am way too white <laughs> to do these impressions. I am. It's, it's true. <laughs> My privilege is going to show here. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I guess I'm really happy you didn't decide to like give us a fucking intro in Kosa or something. No, I, uh, <laughs> and I will not be you doing a South African accent at any point and you know, mm, just anyways welcome to journal is a good start welcome to general nerdery a podcast about liking things i'm zach i'm tyler in interest of liking things <laughs> normally we would say what we were ingesting first we just watched a trailer i mean we just both watched a trailer for the multiple times multiple times this week let's get into it so we don't have to keep biting our tongue so, biggest news thing that's going to come up this week, unless you've got something super hidden that I haven't heard about, and you don't, is the Dune trailer dropped. Finally. Fucking finally. We have been talking about this for, I mean, we haven't been going for a year yet, so we haven't been talking about it for quite a year, but at least six months. Mm -hmm. uh, it's come up several times. I am a huge Dune fan. You are a big Dune fan, I'm as far a, as I'm I know. I'm a blooming Dune fan. I read it for the first time this year, and I'm currently sucking down a lot of Dune-heavy things. Um, How far have you gotten into the series? So I've only read the first one, but I know... Like, I haven't hidden myself from spoilers and know of some of the things that come. Okay, I'm just going to say, even after you read them, they still won't make sense. Don't feel bad about that. Right, right, right. I I kind of got that feeling just from the first one. <laughs> and it goes off the deep end after that. Like, um, Yeah, I have definitely not been shielding my myself. I know where things go from here. I'm mm -hmm. not worried about any spoilers that might come up as we mention this because there's awesome things that we see. Places the discussion could go. Mm -hmm. uh, I definitely want to do a Dune episode probably closer to when this comes out. Uh, do, like, do one on the movie, do one on the book or something. I don't know. But uh, just for the reference here, my experience with Dune, I don't know if I've ever told this on the podcast, is when I was working in the Montana Conservation Corps, I read up through uh, God Emperor of Dune. Okay. And that meant that I was 10 miles from the nearest road. Working 10 hours a day, hard physical labor, like chopping trees and pickaxes and digging and moving rocks and all sorts of stuff. And then every moment of my off time, I was reading Dune like a madman. It was the most surreal week of my life that I read the first one. I feel for all the people that I worked with, it was a trip and a half. So when I get to Dune, part of me goes straight to that, like... The story is, after Frank Herbert released the first book, someone called him up and was like, were you trying to start a cult? <clears throat> he was like, what? No. But with my experience with Dune, I understand why some people were like, yeah, dude was trying to start a fucking cult. Yeah, I could see that. <laughs> I could see that. Um, I guess if you're not familiar with Dune... Uh, the shorthand that one of my one of my coworkers was using to help sell it to people who he's also super into Dune, because uh, when the trailer dropped, me and him all week long have been like, everybody else, you you all should read Dune, 
by the way, check out this trailer. Look how good this looks. Also, the book is just as good. I've had two guests that we've had on this before message me being like, can I borrow your copy of Doom? Uh, but I guess the short is uh, uh, Rich Boy Takes Drugs, Becomes Space Jesus, and Billions Die. I was going, I described it as acid on the sands, but yes, you're correct in <laughs> both of those. <laughs> it's supposed to be an examination of why a superhuman is a bad thing, which is really interesting to me as someone who reads about superhumans daily. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of why messiahs are bad things. Yeah. There's a whole lot of warnings. It's why I'm not sure Dune can be done still, and I've said this before, just as... It's such a cerebral book. I don't even think it could be done as a comic. And I'm a believer in comics for everything. Uh, it's designed to just go off for 30 pages about what Paul is thinking about at that moment. Yeah, I don't... I think it can be done, just not on all the levels that the book is done. I'm much more confident after seeing this trailer. And I am much more excited after seeing this trailer. Let's talk about... The trailer is the thing that kicked this off. Let's talk about the trailer. First thing I noticed, because it's like one mm -hmm. of the first lines that come up, they changed the word jihad to crusade. Um, there's been a lot of discussion about that back and forth. Not uh, I've been noticing online this week. I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I just it's, noticed it. Yeah. Jihad's a way more loaded term than it was in 1975. Exactly. At least to Westerners. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Although crusader's a pretty loaded term if you actually look at anything to do with the history of the Crusades. I, you know, post 9-11, the change makes sense. I'm not mad about it. It was just literally the first thing that popped into my head. Not that there wasn't Islamophobia back when Dune was written, but it is much different now. Man, we were, we're recording this on the 12th. It comes out on the, like, 15th. Uh, and I was reading about some of the Islamophobia that happened mm -hmm. after 9-11, and it's definitely been on my mind in the um, last two days. So, understandable change. Yeah, I'm not saying it's wrong. I just went, oh, look at that. And yet still a word that makes sense for what's happening. Mm-hmm. It's not... A, or what's going to happen. It's not a wrong term. Mm-hmm. Um... The cast looks absolutely incredible, and I already knew it looked incredible, but holy shit. Yeah, everybody looks great. The people who are going to die really quickly, because there's a couple of them, are going to be the ones that, like, the people who don't know Dune but go in for the actors are going to be like, hey, what the fuck? Okay, so the big one, maybe minor spoilers. Close your ears for a second if you haven't read the book. Yeah, if you haven't read, if you want to be surprised by this, maybe skip forward, like, Five minutes on this podcast. Does the casting of Jason Momoa as Duncan Idaho mean that they're going to go into the sequels? He's been pretty open about the fact that he wants to go past the first Dune. I think he, this one is split into two movies. Because otherwise, that's a stunt cat. Like, that's that's Drew Barrymore in Scream. Like, that's just a stunt casting to get asses in seats if they don't go into the sequels. Yeah, which I'm not mad about either. In the no, same way that he looks like he's having the fucking time of his life, in even the, in the three seconds. He always seconds looks like he's it. having so much fun. <laughs> uh, in the same way that Oscar Isaacs as Duke Leto impregnated the whole audience with the looks he gives at the, the yeah, camera. Yeah, no, I am pretty straight and I am pretty gay for the looks that he was giving me there. 
uh, Oscar Isaac is a very good looking man, and going gray has only helped him. Mm-hmm. Um, but like he's he dies really fast in that book. And that's not too much of a spoiler, because in the trailer, they make it pretty clear even. Uh, yeah. Leto's boned. Leto, from his very first scene, Leto knows that he's not going to survive this, pretty much. And he's just trying to be like, well, got to get my son ready. And they have him, I mean, once again, setting up the sequels, they have him touching the the Greek tablet. I haven't read it in long enough that I actually don't remember Uh, why that's... The Atreides are supposed to be descended from Agamemnon. Oh, that's right. That's fucking right. But they don't bring that up, I don't think, a single time in the first book. Mm -mm. I think it comes up in um, Dune Messiah, probably. Probably. The second one, which is... I really like Messiah, and I think I'm the only one that does... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Every other person, when I'm listing it, my, like, one of the weakest ones for me, which is uh, Children of Dune, which is about his kids when they're kids, mm-hmm. not like little babies, uh, is listed as a strong one. And I thought Children was fucking weak, but essential for God Emperor. And then I really like Messiah, because I loved watching what happened next to Paul, and I got a lot more of the, like, palace intrigue in a way that I didn't get in any other of them. Okay. But it'd be great just to get more Jason Momoa. I mean, one, I just love Jason Momoa. But just to get more Duncan Idaho. I want fucking God Emperor of Dune where it's the like 4,000th clone or Gola Mm -hmm. of Jason Momoa. Yes, I know it's Duncan Idaho, but I'm just rolling with this. Talking to a half man, half sandworm like we have the tech that we can do that, but there's a lot of people that can't accept God Emperor just of how fucking weird it is in a novel. How the fuck are they going to do that as a right as a live movie? Yeah, yeah. actually seeing that. Holy, I love God Emperor. By the way, it is the weirdest goddamn thing I have ever read in my life. I'm I'm gonna be getting to the sequels before too long. Um, Let's see. The still suits looked awesome. Still suits look. I definitely the whole time thought of that bit of the interview where I think it was Oscar Isaacs. It's like, those don't actually keep you cool. <laughs> We're in the temperature that the like books talk about, but without any of the water air conditioning going on there. Which is hilarious. Those look fucking miserable in the hot ass weather. Because um, this is what, Gobi? Maybe Sahara? I think so. Don't remember for sure. Mm-hmm. I know I was keeping track at some point. The shields felt like a th- shout out a little bit to Lynch. Yeah. I mean, you can't talk about Dune without talking about the Lynch movie for good and bad. Mm-hmm. It was a real attempt. It was a major, like that was a lot of money that went into making a movie and it doesn't That work. even he doesn't like. But also has developed a real cult following in its own right. And you can see that he legitimately wanted to do this right. Yes. This isn't like someone fucking phoning it in and it didn't work. It was just... Executive meddling. Executive meddling and a weird fucking book that doesn't translate well to this medium. Uh, Although the imagery was spot on in those. Very 80s, but like... Yeah, no, it did a great job. world felt... Like a world. Sleeper must awake. But yes, the... Because you guys totally saw me do the hand. Yeah. The the weird 
shield thing. I noticed that they went the exact opposite route of the Bene Gesserit in this one. Mm. Like their stylistic look. Because that was one of the first things I was thinking. Because the David Lynch, like, giant fucking hoods that don't even have to touch the head Mm -hmm. and stay their shape. I was like, that's a really... It's become a very iconic science fiction look for the Bene Gesserit. When I was reading the Dune books, because I watched the movie years before I uh, read the read. book, because I was a kid, I, I I used all the visuals from the David Lynch. I saw the like weird big fucking things, and in this one, instead of like nothing touches her head, she's got the like mesh like thing, veil, and it's just like taped to her face it it actually i found it distracting because i just kept being like god that can't be comfortable that no. drive me up a wall uh chalamet looks good as paul chalamet looks great this is i've never seen anything with chalamet uh the only thing i know about him is john mulaney has a joke about his wife having a crush on timothy chalamet hmm. it's a good bit yeah. My uh, wife's obsessed with this Timothy Chalamet son of a bitch. <laughs> Be nice. Uh, Zendaya looks great. Zendaya looks great. Uh, we have Batista, Beast Raban. Looked creepy. We didn't really see the Baron Harkonnen. Is that, was that him coming out of the like yeah. black liquid or black whatever? Black tar looking shit. Not nearly enough to give us any kind of no. what he looks like. Right. I can't wait to see the him being the anti-gravs. Mm-hmm. That should Keep, look great. Keeping his fat ass up. Um, we saw a little bit of probably Peter, the men's yes. hat. A tiny bit of that. We saw a tiny bit of Dr. Yue. Did we see any of... Oh, God, what's his name? We, we didn't see any Stilgar that I can think of. None that popped out to me. And we didn't see any Liette Keens, the the doctor who... No, there's a second of Stilgar. Okay. Um, that's who's taking off their still suit mask. Hmm. Okay. Not enough to really... Stilgar was always one of my favorite characters, him and Gurney Halleck. Mm-hmm. But I have to admit that part of the reason I like Gurney so much is he was played by Patrick Stewart in the Lynch version. We get a, also, a, he's a space bard, and I appreciate that a space bard exists. We get a second of Gurney, with, but he's um, in he's Thanos in, with yeah. fucking. But he's in motion fighting. Uh, it's the it's the duel that they have with the shields. He's, before they leave Caladan. That actor's fine. He doesn't excite me like almost any of the other actors here. But it's going to be cool to see Tom Brolin is. It's going to be great. Yeah, Gurney Halleck. I believe he can do it. He actually looks closer to what Gurney Halleck is described as looking, especially if they scar up his face a little bit, because mm-hmm. Gurney is supposed to be not a good-looking person. Um, who's playing the Lady Jessica? We saw her uh, like for like a quarter of a second. Uh, Rebecca Ferguson. Don't know who that is, but that's okay. I think I've actually seen her in more things, but the most notable thing I've seen her in is uh, Dr. Sleep, the uh, the Shining sequel. Yeah, I, I haven't. Just... She plays the bad guy and is mesmerizing she is so good well if she plays the bad guy psychic in a stephen king novel she's pretty set to play the lady jessica Mm -hmm. who's okay there's no good guys in no not really it might be why i like stilgar because he's like the closest there is to a good guy Mm -hmm. he just wants to look after his people and get rid of the colonizers like paul does what he has to do to survive 
but does atrocious fucking things for it. Yeah. Jessica, same way. She will do... She reminds me of Alexander the Great's mother, who did amazing, remarkable things, but they were all horrific, remarkable things to protect her child's legacy. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's be honest. Paul Atreides and Alexander the Great have a whole lot of overlap. Paul's more impressive because he actually had to earn and build the army as opposed to Alexander that daddy gave him the greatest army ever built. Plus, he had to ride Thorm. <laughs> so when the worm fucking pops up, because Cece has no experience with Dune. I don't think she's seen the movie. She's okay. never read the books. She knows that I'm a big fan, and I she's kindly listened to me rant about Dune a couple of times. Um, but the fucking sandworm pops up, and it's this big fucking thing. And I go, oh, it's just a little guy. <laughs> and she just fucking died. <laughs> just... I was surprised they showed it. I thought, like, they were going to show the sand start shifting and then cut to, like... I knew they this were going December. to. I knew they were going to show the worm. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised they didn't show the whole worm, but just like the open maw. That should be a little one. I don't. That that can't be Shy Halud. No, that should be based on what we were seeing. That should be when uh, Paul and Lady Jessica flee to the rock yeah. and make it there just in time before they encounter the Fremen. Which is not a huge worm there either. Like, right. that's definitely not fucking Shai Halud, the great one or whatever. Yeah, the maker fucking... worm or whatever. Yeah. Basically the god of uh, Arrakis. Um, I think I think paying attention to the background that, this, that they do some quick cuts when they're doing the uh, uh, Paul training with Gurney. Mm-hmm. I think... That actually also cuts to the fight of him fighting Jameis. Oh, they didn't have that in the Lynch version, but... No. He gives water to the dead. Oh my god, I love Dune so much. <laughs> but yeah, if you're paying attention to the background when Paul's fighting, I think like there's a change to like in rocks and shit, and should, which should be the Jameis fight. Mm -hmm. That's a good one. That's This whole thing... It's either going to be a disaster or a triumph, but either way, it's going to be wonderful. They showed a lot of Caladan for this trailer. <laughs> Again, they said they split the movie into two, so we're going to get more than like a quarter of a scene on Caladan. Mm -hmm. Not a lot of scene on Caladan, because he still leaves that in the first 50 pages of the book or something like that. 100? It's a big book. Um, Caladan being the first... he. He talks about in the trailer, my father rules a planet. He's losing it. He's getting a better one. He'll lose that one, too. The first one being Caladan, which is a place that, as long as you don't mind rain, is a pretty sweet place to live. Dune, Arrakis, sucks to live on, but you can make that mad money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like North Dakota. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> Kinda. <laughs> um, what? Pink Floyd was perfect. I had someone online a lot of my friends list be like ugh it, it, they're just shoehorning that in there and I'm like no they're absolutely not <laughs> like watch Shadowraski's Dune you son of a bitch yeah this is if you're it's it's apparent that Villeneuve is a fan of Dune book movie what have you well he loves Dune honestly Pink Floyd is the perfect choice for a Dune movie even if the uh, Jabareski's Dune hadn't ever come up. 
Mm -hmm. because I mean, they were both kind of designed for acid in 1975. Like, because Pink Floyd was big by that point. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't know the era of Pink Floyd. That sounds right. They're at least going by that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And they're both really designed for tripping nuts and experiencing emotions while ingesting. Yeah. I don't know. Looks fucking good. Yeah. I we I've saw watched Sardaukar. The Sardaukar are cool. We've seen a bit of the Fremen who are fucking cool. The fighting looks good. So the weirding way is going to be space kung fu. Thank God. <laughs> I liked the sound guns and I had to struggle to remember that they're not sound guns while reading the book. <laughs> but the weirding way being a Bene Gesserit tool is interesting. I hope they dive in a little bit about the really questionable ethics of eugenics because the the BG are really obsessively doing eugenics here. I wonder how much they're going to get into in the movies considering they're also going to do the Bene Gesserit show. They, they have to if they're doing a Bene Gesserit show. I mean, they still need to talk about it a little bit because... Paul is definitely a warning against eugenics. Eugenics being like, we know we've set him up as the hero, but you see how everyone is dying thanks to these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm still. I'm curious how they're going to do the voice. The voice was pretty done in the Lynch version. Just the, like the slight, the like, weird demonic voice thing. Um, but I mean, I don't think there's a I don't think there's any way to ruin that unless you make them sound like they're on helium or something like I'm just curious <laughs> what it's going to be so it's again this movie could go so gloriously wrong still and I'm not going to pretend otherwise but if nothing else it's getting more people interested in Dune which is awesome which I appreciate Dune is a very important book for me and for a lot of people so yeah, I think that's... Don't base that's, your life off it, but no, que- use it to question beliefs. Um, I think that's all we're going to say on Dune for now. All we got. I mean, that was that was quite a bit of Dune. That's a lot of Dune. I guess I'll, I'll hit some of these other little... Yeah, let's just, just do news, news first this week, now. because... News. Some of this... Yeah. Some of this pales in, in comparison to Dune, too. Oh, that's going to pale. I'm sorry. I don't yeah. even know what it is. Uh, Robert Pattinson has COVID. Yep, that sucks. So everybody production is uh, stopped again on the Batman, though they're not they're still far enough out from it. They're not actually expecting it to delay the release any more than just COVID in general might end up. So I every time they're like, we're starting filming on this. I'm like, why? Because we need art. I get it. But well, I'm pretty the rock also has it. And Michael Rooker. I don't know about Michael Rooker, but yeah. I kind of still feel like it's a matter of time for most people, which sucks. Uh, Wonder Woman 84 is going to be 151 minutes long. It's a long fucking... That's two and a half hour movie. It's coming out around Christmas. They announced that. I know people who love two and a half hour movies and they're movies that works. They got to be careful with the pacing, though, or you're either going to just be exhausted or bored. Yeah. Yeah. It could work, though. It could work. Absolutely, it could work. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, (laughs) Season four of Young Justice is going to be called Young Justice Phantoms. I was not completely aware that there was going to be a season four, so 
this is good news for me. I'm, I'm assuming just... Phantom Zone is going to come up. Like, there's no way it can't. I'm just really excited because it seems like they're finally coming to a close on this story arc based on things that happened last season and where they seem to be going forward with this. So Nice. Um, plus, season three might have been the best season so far, which blew me away. So Yeah, this is not a case of diminishing returns. No. With that show. Not, not one bit. Uh, <laughs> so after just yelling about how much I wanted Silk the other week, Sony's announced that they're going to go forward with making some Spider-Verse shows. Uh, over at Amazon, and the one that's going to kick it off seems like it's going to be Silk. I'm glad that they're going with shows instead of a ton of movies like they had talked about. Because mm-hmm. they had talked about like an all-women Spider-Verse spinoff. They had talked about a, a Spider-Ham spinoff. And I just felt like they were going to oversaturate the market with the movies. But you can do it with the TV shows a lot easier. Uh, Silk is great. That reminds me, I made a mistake in our Spider-Verse episode, and I realized when I finally listened to it, like yesterday, I was talking about my favorite comic book, or Spider-Man writers, and I kept saying Ron Friends, and I meant Roger Stern. And I said, in like literally one of the sentences, I was like, written by Ron Friends and drawn by Ron Friends. And like, <laughs> listening to it being like, you son of a bitch, Zach. Um, Roger Stern. Roger Stern. Oh. I am probably the only person that would notice on that one. But as I said, he's one of my favorite Spider-Man writers, so he deserves proper credit. Also, Silk is awesome. Fuck yeah, Silk. Lord and Miller. uh, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. I think I got their first. Yeah, Phil Lord and Chris Miller. Uh, They were the producers on Mm Spider-Verse and did like the Lego movie and 21 Jump Street. They are, it seems like they're going to be the ones overseeing all the Spider-Man properties at Sony. So they're still going to be kind of in charge of this, though I'm sure it'll have its own showrunner. But kind of like Kevin Feige controls the Marvel Universe, they're doing that for this. Is that how you pronounce that? Yeah. I've been calling it Phage for years. (laughs) Uh, he's going to be doing that for the, they are going to be doing that for the, uh, the spider properties. Awesome. I never saw the Lego movies. I saw Lego Batman. Mm. They were, it's fine. Lego movie is pretty magical. That's awesome. I, I, you guys have heard my opinion of spider verse, so I don't need to go into why I'm good with this. Like Mm -hmm. they have, if the people who oversaw spider verse are overseeing these shows, I am comfortable Giving them that shot. And I I find this kind of fun. I want to give her credit because she's probably going to end up writing it from what everything's been saying. But also, I think it's kind of funny. Uh, Lauren Moon, who was a writer on Good Trouble and Atypical, is in rights to live to write the show concerning Cindy, Cindy Moon. Moon. Silk. That's cool. I have not seen either of those things. Me but either. great. And I love the idea of more female showrunners for female-led shows. Not only on female-led shows, but, like, let's get the voices right. So, Zack Snyder's having kind of a weird resurgence. First, we're getting the Snyder cut, and now it has been announced that he was doing that zombie movie, Army of the Dead, for Netflix. That's becoming its own universe, and they're going to be doing an animated series tied into it and, like, a prequel series tied into it. That is some confidence for a movie that hasn't come out yet. <laughs> so we're getting a Snyder zombie verse. 
which I'm all for because probably his best film is still the Dawn of the Dead remake. So great. I don't. <laughs> I just thought great. it was weird that like suddenly they're like, here you go, Zack Snyder. You were working on a zombie movie. We're just going to give you a zombie universe. We read about they announced the end of Walking Dead. Have we talked about that? We haven't talked about that. They did announce it's going to be ending with the next season, I think, season 11. Yeah, but then Daryl's getting his own spinoff. So really, they're just casting off some of the more, some of the other actors. They're probably expensive at this point and like focusing. And I think there was was another spinoff that was already in the works that wasn't Daryl-centric either also. Plus, there's the ongoing Fear of the Walking Dead that was their spinoff that I think is still going. I'm pretty sure it's still going. Uh, AMC is cashing in on that Walking Dead money, don't get me wrong. But I'm wondering if Netflix is thinking they can horn in on that a little bit. Mm -hmm. We have... (laughs) Did did you see Middle-Aged Yoda? Middle-Aged Yoda? So we're getting the Star Trek, the high, I mean, Star Trek, Star Wars, the High Republic stuff. Yeah. So we have a 200 years younger Yoda. Oh, shit. You're. Is High Republic really only 200 years before? Yeah. (sighs) Okay. So I'm annoyed that I I thought it was closer to like a thousand, but it makes sense. Uh, I enjoy seeing younger Yoda there. He doesn't look that much different, but I still also wanted to be like, look, it's, I mean, it's different enough. Like, yeah, I mean, he's younger. Yeah. He looks like 50s, early 60s, as opposed to like 70s or 80s that he's looking later on. (laughs) So that's cool. I just wanted to show you him because (laughs) I was like, what the fuck? All right. Another Yoda. Um, I hope that we don't get a ton of him. I'm not interested too much in... The Adventures of Youthful Yoda. I want a bigger expansion of what Star Wars is. I would be maybe interested in, like... uh, And I don't even know how interested I am, actually. But I was going to say, like, in training Yoda, do we get to see young, brash, only 100 years old Yoda at some point? But (laughs) I'm back and forth on it. I am... (sighs) You'd have to make it believable that he still grows into the Yoda that we know, and I think that's the hard part. There's a thing about prequels that someone once said that was like, uh, sometimes it's better that it's the stories you didn't tell. Like, the Clone mm. Wars was way more exciting before we knew what the Clone Wars was. That's as good true. As, as good as the show is. Uh, yeah, the Clone Wars, I think, we all imagined in our heads back the, when that's all we knew was he fought in the Clone Wars. Yeah, I had all sorts of mystery about what it is. And Timothy Zahn talks about it in some of his novels as rogue cloners going to war against each other as opposed to, like, the side has clones, the side Mm, has robots mm -hmm. or droids. Which is why, cool, bring in young Yoda. Not saying don't use him. I'm saying don't rely focus on him. Uh, (laughs) There's going to be a a D&D Magic the Gathering set coming out next year. I'm amazed that it hasn't happened already. Uh, the other way around has already happened. They did a Ravnica book for five, fifth edition. Mm-hmm. But now we're getting the other way around. We're getting uh, Adventures in the Forgotten Realms in Magic the Gathering. Which I still kind of wish I played, but like everybody I used to play with basically moved away. So It makes sense that it's happening. I don't play Magic, 
because I list it under the... Uh, I have a list of games that my description is that game kills friendships. Mm-hmm. Magic the Gathering, League of Legends. There's I a few need. others. Yeah. Uh, and both of them are fun games, so do not get me wrong on that. I, this doesn't make me more tempted to try Magic. Anytime Magic comes up, part of me is like, I could play Magic again, but I don't... No. <laughs> like, just No. I miss playing it, but I keep in touch enough with it to know the power creep that's been happening steadily since at least Shards of Alara, and I just, I can't invest the money and the headspace in keeping up with any aspect of the meta. Like most nerd games that aren't just standalone, you know, here's this video game, now it's done... I don't have the time or energy to invest and then invest in new additions or new sets or whatever, because I read comic books and play Belagarth. I have enough money spent already. Hot damn, I will admit I fucking love deck building. It's a lot of fun. (laughs) But I spend a lot of money already. Yeah, yeah. As I can... I'm looking out my... My door, No, I know you guys can't see this right now, but I can see two of my magic decks from here as they are within reach in my kitchen at all times. I know exactly where my magic decks are, <laughs> uh, and I don't know where most things in my house are, so that's impressive. But I haven't pulled them out in a couple of years. Uh, and the, the last bit of news that we'll end on, because it also kind of ties into stuff we're going to be talking about next week, but... Uh, Star Trek Discovery's third season uh, has cast its first explicitly trans and non-binary characters. Cool. That's all I got. Cool. More representation's good. Uh, You watch Discovery, right? I'm behind. I watched the first season, and I started the second season, and it just got lost in the list. Mm. It happens. It's... The trailer for the third season made both CC and I be like, oh, fuck, we need to get caught up. That looks amazing. Okay. It's good. Don't listen to the fans that tell you it's not Star Trek. It is Star Trek to its bones. It just doesn't feel the need to be next generation at the same time. Gotcha. Uh, But yeah, uh, trans actor Ian Alexander, who was in the OA and did a voice in The Last of Us Part 2. And uh, new talent, Blue DeBario, Del Barrio. Uh, They will be playing... They even give the name of the characters... Uh, Alexander will be playing Gray, an unjoined Trill who is eager to fulfill his lifelong dream of being a Trill host, but he'll have to adapt when his life takes an unexpected turn. Yeah, okay, so it kind of sounds like Ezri Dax, but a little braver. And Barrio will be playing Adira, a young but confident person with memory loss who forms a bond with Lieutenant Commander Paul Stamets and Hugh Culber. Cool. I don't know who those people are, so I don't know what uh, forming a relationship with them in any means will uh, entail. The <laughs> grumpy engineer and the head doctor that are in a happy married relationship, which is important because it is the first time we got queer representa- real queer representation in Star Trek. And they mm. didn't make a big deal of it. They just... Like, like, here you go. They revealed it by, it shows, like, the end of the thing, and they're just in their quarters brushing their teeth, like, getting ready for bed together. Like, it's mm. not like, oh my god, I'm gay. Just, look, look, <laughs> they're gay. Look, life. You get a great 
romance story of it. The uh, Stammons is played by the white dude from Rent. Oh, uh, yeah. The main uh, character from Rent. Yeah, Anthony Rapp. And Colbert is played by Wilson Cruz. He is definitely not the character from Rent. He is an <laughs> unpleasant human being, but in a way that is, like, compelling still. Okay. Um, yeah, I don't watch the show, but I saw that. And I was like, oh, that's fucking cool. So I like it. It's good. I want more of it. Michelle Yeoh's in it. That alone is reason to watch it. Nice. Uh, that's all I got for news. Cool. But we haven't done what we were ingesting. What have you been ingesting this week? Beyond the Dune trailer that I've seen like eight times? Uh, let's see. I I wasn't sure if I was going to do this this year, but I have been doing my yearly listen-through of the audiobooks by Stephen Fry of Harry Potter. Oh, okay. And I have been testing the waters to see what my relationship with Harry Potter is anymore. The answer is complicated. <laughs> I still enjoy the books. I am able to divorce myself from Harry Potter and J.K. Rowling more than I can with, like, other mm -hmm. artists. I'm not saying that everyone should or everyone should still like it. And I, I really thought hard, because I always, September the 1st, the first day of Hogwarts, would start listening and I'll listen through all the books. And I wasn't sure if I was going to do it this year. But my friend who is... I think they're non-binary. I'm just going to go with queer because I know they fall somewhere, but I'm not 100% mm -hmm. sure where. Who listens to these with me every year was like, no, we're doing this, right? Like, And I had a couple of friends talking about how important Harry Potter still was them, even though they were done with JK. When, and even, you know, trans friends. So I thought that I could, have, like, I didn't necessarily need to just cancel my love of Harry Potter, but I do need to re-examine my love of Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. And it's not nearly as fun to listen to it when I'm just like, fuck. It's interesting. When they have a particularly good line, not like, oh, this storyline, just a, a really good like sentence. Mm -hmm. I get mad at J.K. Rowling now. Oh, for no. whatever fucking reason. I'm just like, uh, they've got a bit where Draco Malfoy, who's being a douchey little 11-year-old in the first book, is showing off and telling stories about flying brooms and all of the stories and invariably end with him barely dodging muggle helicopters. And that sentence was just so well-written and I did not say it right, but um, <laughs> that sentence was so well-written. It makes me laugh every time. And I laughed and I was like, God damn it, JK Rowling. Mm -hmm. That sentence is too fucking good for your turfy ass. Uh, how far are you through it all? I'm in book four okay. because the first three are real fast listen throughs. If you have any like length of time to listen mm -hmm. and I took a pause and I've been thinking about starting Dune, but I have really low energy lately and Dune takes a lot of energy. <laughs> it's dense. Uh-huh. It's dense. That's why I keep recommending it to people all mm. week. Amazing. Uh, awesome. Well, I mean, no, could be awesome. I am, could be more awesome, but <laughs> I am still very much enjoying myself. I still very much enjoy these books. I completely get why some people are just done with Harry Potter now. Mm -hmm. As I said, a big part of this was I needed to, we've been talking so much about me figuring out art versus the artist. I needed to listen to these 
with a more fresh and realistic eye as opposed to I've loved these books since I was a kid. Gotcha. Fine. You're going to have to keep us updated. I'm sure I will. Um, still been more Witcher 3 mostly for yeah, me. Um, which I did. Look, the property is popular enough now. The game is, I'm you know, game of the year, whatever year it came out, and is fucking spectacular. It's still. We're going to have to cover it at some point, so I figured out what the quote-unquote required reading will be. Oh? Well, like, what, up to what quest in the main line to do, which is still pretty early on, but mm-hmm. uh, anyone who's played the game, it'll, the Bloody Baron. Oh, so they, you need me to play up through yeah. the bloody... You're going to have to lend me a oh, yeah, video no. game system. We'll, we'll make it sure out. it happens. Okay. We'll make sure it happens. I just I don't think it's out for the Switch, and it's the only fucking thing I have. I, I'm i probably going to be getting the Series X when it comes out, and so then I can just be like, here, take this One X for a week. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, that's awesome. But beyond that... Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2 Remastered came out, and I also put a shit ton of time into that, and it was awesome feeling like I was 15 again, except it turns out that I now really fucking suck at those games. So it's I'm also glaring at Tyler, and none of you can see this right now, because once again, Tony Hawk's Pro Skater didn't come out for the Switch, and it's killing me. I... Here I am, getting older all the time. <laughs> uh, I am probably going to buy a PS5 now. I have mm. just admitted this. And there's only two games I actually want. <laughs> Spider-Man. I want Spider-Man, and I want the PS5 so I can get the Miles Morales one so I get more of it. Mm-hmm. And Tony Hawk's Pro Fucking Skater. And Grand Theft Cowboy, but that's kind of a secondary concern. It's, uh, yeah, it's been awesome. It turns out I really fucking suck after being 15 years out of practice. Yeah, I'm not very, I was never very good at that game in the first place, so I'm going to be real terrible. I remember being at least pretty decent. I don't know if I would have called myself really good, but I definitely was not anywhere close to being bad like I am now. I I checked with one of my coworkers and he's like, I have never really talked with much. Like he's a nice mm-hmm. guy. It's just for whatever reason, we don't work in the same area, but he had mentioned that he got it. And I was like, okay, so I wasn't sure. Is the soundtrack still like old school? And he goes, yeah, dude, like the most excited I've ever seen him. He's like, I turned it on and ska music started. And I'm like, Oh, that just like makes my 12 year old soul happy. I think there was like three songs they weren't able to get the licensing rights back, but otherwise it's the same soundtrack as the first And then the they added two. a few... And then they added a bunch of new stuff too. So it's a giant soundtrack that I've been completely digging all the way through. Um, they added more skaters, but you have all the originals. They've updated all the models, so it's like old man Bucky Lasick, old man fucking Andrew Reynolds, old man Tony Hawk. <laughs> That's like, hilarious. <laughs> uh... uh I watched, uh, I've recommended him before, Brian David Gilbert. Mm-hmm. He does videos for uh, <clears throat> Kotaku, I think. I don't know. Oh, one yeah. of those things. He did a one, his most recent video was What Happened to the Poonji Stick Trap mm-hmm. on uh, the Create a. That just came thing. up in my recommendations like an hour ago. It's on. a really funny video. Watch it. Because there's a. One of the things that you can put when you're building your own park is the Poonji Stick Trap. Which, if you don't know, is a war crime. Yes. Like, and they are, if they had just been like, stick pit, they would have been like, okay, no, they're directly referencing a war crime. And the video is him discussing this and trying to track down 
how it why got they in there. put it in there in the first place and like emailing people who used to work for Neversoft and having them be like, I don't know. You're asking about a game that we made 15 years ago for a company that doesn't exist anymore. Neversoft made some good games though. Didn't did they make Abe's World as well or am I thinking of something else? Oh, I don't remember for sure though. That does sound right now that you said not it. Not super important if it doesn't. I I'm not going to look it up right no, now either. either. Yeah, fuck. Tony Hawk's Pro Skater 1 and 2. Ugh. Anytime that I haven't had like a couple hours to jump into something that's super story driven. Time for some Tony Hawk's Pro Time Skater. Time for some Tony Hawk. Yeah. Yeah, buddy. All right. Let's take a quick break and then let's dive into what we actually came here to talk about. Black Panther. So I was going to start this part with just to get it out of the way, but not just to get it out of the way. Just to talk about it first. To be real honest here, we're doing this episode because Chadwick Boseman died and we were sad about that. Yeah. Still sad about it. Oh, still sad about it. I've almost watched the movie about six more times since then. Damn. The part to get... I I haven't. I've only watched it the once. But the part to kind of get out of the way here is that we are not so much talking about the movie. We're not avoiding talking about the movie. But this isn't Black Panther the movie, the episode. It's Black Panther. And just whatever the fuck we can think about on Black Panther. We have not discussed this at all. But for the sake of getting this out there... What have you read to prepare for this episode? Uh, so, to pre- uh, I rewatched the movie, re-listened to the soundtrack. I've listened to the soundtrack a lot, I'm not going to lie. I did not listen to it as near as much as I meant to. I actually meant to re-listen to it like three times, but Happens. life. Yeah. Tony Hawk, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Blame fucking Tony Hawk and the fact that that soundtrack is such a banger that I couldn't not listen to other you don't like, listen to other things while playing Tony no. Hawk. This is not a Tony Hawk episode, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then <clears throat> I read the first two volumes of the uh, 2016 Ta-Nehisi Coates run. Mm-hmm. I read about a volume's worth of the Christopher Priest run, but I was having a hard time actually getting that to download correctly. Oh, that's a bummer. That one's supposed to be great. Real quick, when you say the first two volumes, does that mean... Like, the, the main part of a, the nation under our feet to where he gets to where he's like, uh, the king needs to just be more of a figurehead and we need to give more power okay. to Congress. Uh, I had it just, I had it collected in three, but I know uh, a different collection they had mm-hmm. in two. So I just wanted to make sure where. I didn't, I didn't finish it. I didn't get to the end of his entire 2016 run. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Anyway. Here did I. Um, but yeah, about the first volume of the Christopher Priest run, um, not as much as I wanted to because it was good, but I'll talk a little bit more about that here in a second. And almost everything to date, uh, of Ta-Nehisi's Intergalactic Empire of Wakanda. That's great. Um, I, we talked about it before. I have not bought that one yet because I'm waiting for the final volume to come out yeah. and I just want to sit down and bash it out in one because it's the end of his run, too. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, what did I do? Oh, uh, and also, just because they were included with the the Nation Under Our Feet stuff, there was a couple of the older, like the him first running into the Fantastic Four. I was wondering if those ones so came I, up. I read and that. Part of I've Panther's read the, Quest. Yeah. Um, which we'll definitely with, discuss Panther's Quest, but, um, so the, the ones that are included with that collection, um, I read those. 
Uh, let's see, I mostly read Ta-Nehisi Coates. I read All of a Nation Under Our Feet, which is the first storyline that he does. And I have read most of the second storyline, which is Avengers of the New World. I kind of stopped because I had just bashed out four and a half volumes of Black Panther in like two days. Mm -hmm. And it's a wordy fucking run. And Avengers of the New World isn't nearly as strong. It's not bad. It's quite good still. But A Nation Under Our Feet is much stronger. And I started the Jack Kirby run, which is the first Black Panther... Uh, not the first Black Panther solo series, but the first one titled Black Panther. From one oh, of okay. Black Panther's creators, it is the most absurd thing I have ever read. He, in this group of uh, like stupidly rich collectors that compete over dumb things have to go find King Solomon's frog, which is a time travel device in the shape of a little frog statue hidden in King Solomon's tomb. Yeah. Because finding King Solomon's tomb wasn't weird fucking enough. He had to turn it into a, let's track down a time travel... Frog. Frog. <laughs> and then go to the future and meet the far, far, far evolution of humanity. Oh. It's... Bonkers. I love Jack Kirby's 70 run, 70s run uh, because he had been reading a bunch of bizarre science fiction and like ancient astronaut stuff. Mm -hmm. He's like, I don't believe it, but it makes for great storytelling. It was just telling the weirdest 70s sci-fi. Nice. I guess that's a good place to start with. Black Panther was created by Stan Lee and Jack Kirby. And I know you have the information, so can you give us the Fantastic Four issue number and year? Uh, yeah, uh, number 52, uh, July 1966. This is kind of an example of why, as much as Stanley drives me up a wall sometimes, like the, the complicated issue Stanley. I also really love Stanley. He created Black Panther because he was watching the civil rights movement and he was looking at, you know, black artists that were working for Marvel at the time and be like, we don't have a single black lead character. We need a black hero. And he created, with Jack Kirby, the first superpowered black character in comic book history. There had been black characters before this, but they'd all been unpowered vigilantes, usually. Oh, okay. Like there was um, Lobo, who was a cowboy. There were several jungle men kind of Tarzan kind of motherfuckers. Uh, I'm actually impressed that they did the black cowboy since so many people get that wrong. That there were a ton of black that cowboys? Yeah, like one in four cowboys were black. Yeah, because they wanted to get the fuck out of Dodge. Yeah. The Adventures of Briscoe County Jr. starring uh, um, Bruce, Bruce Campbell. Campbell. Thank you. I started saying Ash, and I'm like, that's not... <laughs> That's right, but it's not. It's, uh, it's so right. But the it's... best character in that show is a black cowboy named Lord Bowler. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> but Black Panther. Um, and they had taken steps to have black representation. By this point, Spider-Man was already out. They had introduced Robbie Robertson, who was the uh, editor-in-chief of the Daily Bugle, who was a black man, which was revolutionary for 1965, 1966. Mm -hmm. But there wasn't a black hero and you can tell partly from the costume that they were a little nervous about releasing a black hero originally kirby's design was much more african themed there was a lot more bright colors oh, okay uh it 
wasn't it was Jack Kirby like drawing kente cloth basically. It, it wasn't terribly accurate kente cloth, but it got the feel of it really strong across where the, literally the printing products at the time could not have handled kente cloth. It is a mm-hmm. detailed cloth and printing was really primitive in early comic books. Uh, and then they changed up the design so he had a full face he's full body covering and it's a very simple I mean Black Panther it's not surprising at all that Black Panther is black but it there was no black skin to be shown and well, I, and it was so they could hide the ad, or they could hide it a little bit and then once it popped up it was too late to do anything about it which was something that was sadly used in modern times too did you ever hear about the uh when the movie came out, the no. version of the movie posters released in China have him in the full suit. But never in... Oh, that's a bummer. Because they have their own issues with... Racism? Racism. Yeah, surprise, surprise. Um, it's kind of gross, but it was also kind of clever for Lee and Kirby. I mean, it, it's a kind of... It's a way to sneak it in in a time where it might have been rejected otherwise. It was a, it was a pretty revolutionary act to make a black super powered character and not just that but make him a king he's not a kid from the hood or whatever there's a lot of characters like that too but here is black royalty being our first superhero ever dc does not get their shit together for another couple another several years uh what year did you say black you already told me and i already forgot Black Panther appears. Uh, in 66. 66. It's, I think, almost a decade later that Black Lightning first comes out in around 1975. By this point, Marvel had Luke Cage as well. Like, this is, they were real behind on it. And I don't know if I've ever told this one. The first appearance of Black Lightning, or the first plan for Black Lightning, was a really bad one. Mm because it was originally a character named the Black Bomber who was secretly hella racist to white people. Oh, okay. And the author they hired to write that went, I'm not doing that. Like, that, that that's not happening. And they compromised by making Black Lightning. So Marvel was ahead of its time with introducing the Black Panther. He doesn't get his own solo series for several years. It is... It was not unusual at the time to launch characters in not self-titled books. I mean, Johnny Storm, The Human Torch, and Nick Fury both led in Tales to Astonish. I think it was Tales to Astonish. Doctor Strange was in Tales to Astonish. Mm-hmm. Spider-Man was originally an amazing fantasy. Yep. Uh, Black Panther's first solo run was in Jungle Action, I think it was called. And it was a, like, 12-part Black Panther solo run that is considered one of... I've never read it, although... Yeah, Jungle Action. I've never read it, although I'm going to soon. Like, I'm buying it with my next paycheck, I believe. Jungle Action... The movie takes major plot points from Jungle Action. Like, him being beaten by Killmonger and thrown off a waterfall. That's straight out of that series. Mm Mm-hmm. Killmonger comes up in it. I think M'Baku the Man-Ape is a big part of it. Um, it is a very, very tightly plotted, well done. One of the first times they ever told a story that was like 12 parts for one story, as opposed to 
12 standalone adventures that might have had a subplot running through them. Can I, since you brought up his name, I do want to put, and I just rewatched the movie this morning, so it's still heavily on my mind. And one of the things, there's so many accomplishments that the, when they made the movie, it mm -hmm. brought. But in my mind, one of the unsung accomplishments is that now 90% of the people that know Black Panther know the character as M'Baku. Yeah, because the man-ape is not... Good. And I don't, for some reason, I don't mind M'Baku the man-ape, mm. like, if you're gonna... But just, there's some really unfortunate connotations of the black villain being the man-ape. Like, whoops, that... Probably wasn't intentional, Roy Thomas, but it sure happened. Mm -hmm. Roy Thomas created the Man-Ape. Roy Thomas all is famous for a lot of things, including the Avengers Kree Scroll Saga, but uh, his biggest, most famous thing is probably creating Iron Fist is who I... Uh, one of his biggest ones. I like Roy Thomas a lot as a writer, but he accidentally made some racist calls several times and didn't and hasn't been good about owning up to them. Mm. Like if, even if he had been like, yep, you're right. That one's a little questionable, but it was the seventies we were trying. I'd be way more forgiving than he's just like, oh, people complaining about whitewashing should shut up. Be quiet. Old man. Who's actually an old man. <laughs> he's like 80. Uh, anyway, uh, bringing up Man Ape, I, I derailed where you were going. No, you're perfectly fine. <laughs> M'Baku was first created in the Avengers because Black Panther first appears in Fantastic Four, gets his own solo run. Roy Thomas brings him into the Avengers because they're like, man, this character has some legs. Mm -hmm. And Avengers was a lot of times where you went if you weren't strong enough to hold your own book, but were still a good character because... At the time, Justice League was the, like, let's put all our biggest characters together. That's not the point of the Avengers. The Avengers was, let's put more of our B-level characters together and create an A-level team out of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, actually... It works! It works! It's, I mean, Disney Marvel did it all over again with the fucking movies because none of those characters were A-list when those movies started. It's why I like... Cap, Thor, and Iron Man, any one of them being in the Avengers, or all of them. But I don't want every member of the Avengers to have their own book. I don't want it to be Wolverine and Spidey and mm -hmm. every big name character. Because then you don't, you have trouble doing things. You have trouble, like, having the space to take risks with your characters. Because they have to line up with those other books. And Justice League suffers from this all the time. With Avengers when it's, you know, Black Panther when he's not running his own book and Hawkeye and Scarlet Witch and The Vision, you can make major changes to your characters and still have it good. Uh, Black Panther joins in his words because he wants to keep an eye on Earth's Mightiest Heroes because he doesn't entirely trust them. And... Uh, he needs to look after Wakanda. And one of the best ways he thinks he can do that is to make sure the Avengers don't go too far. Mm -hmm. It brings up a thing that exists in the comics that doesn't exist in the movie that I've seen. Panther plots everything. He's kind of Batman-like in that he's always, almost always gotten an ulterior motive to benefit Wakanda. After having, like, pounded out Black Panther hard this weekend, mm -hmm. like I said... I mean, all those things I said that I read to get ready, 
I basically put off till this weekend. So that was yesterday and today. So it's it was a all major part of the priest run. Super fucking fresh in my head. And then when I rewatched the movie this morning, I'm like, oh, they made him dumb in this. Not not dumb. dumb comparatively. But yeah, he's not nearly as much of a like sleuth and scientist and mm-hmm. plotter. He's just a good man that wants to be a good king. He's way more willing to be ethically gray. Not like Namor willing, but way more willing in the comics. And it's one of the things I like about him, because I like Spider-Man for his purity, kind of. Mm-hmm. Black Panther doesn't have that and doesn't need to have that. He's got way bigger responsibilities than this neighborhood. He has this country. Well, and I was going to say that is one of the big things when you're reading the comics is that some of the fights that he's in, it's not just a superhero fighting the villain. It's an extension of the country. It's the same, almost the same thing as waging a war against some of these villains. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not in the scope that we're normally used to, but he is kind of a fucking one-man army when he needs to be, too. Yes. So. <laughs> you said you read the priest run. Uh, a little uh, bit or of Or start of the priest. Mm-hmm. It, it's, it's like 60 issues long. I'm not surprised you didn't read the whole thing. Um, Christopher Priest is one of the more important voices in comic books. I don't always like his writing, but that is supposed to be like his magnum opus of a book. And it's, I'll tell you what, the little bit I read was super good and super engaging, even for some of the weird things that come up in it. It's another one that the movie draws major inspirations from. Uh, Everett Ross, who is uh, Martin Freeman in the movie, comes from that run. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's he's the the narrator for it all, mm-hmm. or maybe not at all. I think it changes at a at a point. In but the at story, the very beginning, but... he was created. What I like about Priest is he is one of those writers that is very willing to talk about how. He is writing about the black condition to a mostly white audience and holds no apologies for that. So he's like, well, they need a white guy to look at Black Panther if he's going to make any sense to them. So he created a white guy to have the kind of he's like, it's not racist, but it's almost racist thoughts that come up. Yeah, it's uh, that's true. That's that's his words for it. I don't I mean, it might be racist. I haven't read too much of it but i thought this interview i read was really interesting no ross is a character that kind of rides the line and like he never quite gets to the point where he's bad but you're like all right you can kind of calm down with calling everyone homeboy just because you met a black person you have to like get over those stereotypes you have to stop doing shit white people do kind of thing so the weird So the weird thing that really stuck out in the priest run when I was starting Mm -hmm. to read it was it was written in a time period where the Dora Milaje were all still the ceremonial brides to to T'Challa and were all 17. They were created in that run. They didn't exist before that. Yeah. Yeah. Ditching that and making them the just the bodyguards is way stronger. That makes them more like the, fuck, what are they, the fishmongers in Dune, the all-female army that Duke Leto, not Sandworm Duke Leto creates Emperor Leto. Anyway, not important. That's from way later than you've read. Um, The ceremonial wives bit was always a... 
It's a little problematic. Yeah, ceremonial betrothed. It's it's a little bit. Should be stated in the uh, T'Challa is pretty openly like, uh-uh, no, this ain't happening. You will not be my wife. They do steal the names. The creepy part is like how Ross is kind of like, dude's got it made because of this. Oh, gross. Uh, what is her name? Nakia? Mm-hmm. She's the romantic interest in... There's Nakia and there's the general, and I'm sorry, I do not remember either of their names. But they're the two... The, the names o- are from the Okoye. two... Okoye. They are from the Christopher Priest run as well. They're like the two... Uh, Dora Malahe in that one. Nakia turns into a villain and is not a romantic interest in the comics. Definitely is in the movie, which I thought was a little weird, but okay. They didn't have storm rights. I get it. Nakia is back to kind of being a, a love interest in the intergalactic empire. Weird. Because it's different, Nakia. <laughs> That's... I haven't read that yet. I know. It's got, I, uh, I will give the set. I don't want to get too much into it, just partially because I don't want to spoil it for you. I don't want to. It's super new. I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but I will give some of the setups because it's one of the things I read more intently. Yeah. And it's it's like, it's my recommendation for the week. Oh, okay. So we'll save it so for we'll that. So we'll save yes, it for I'm them. Sorry. We'll uh, save it for them. Just prepping for you to do that. And yeah. you're giving me the look of like, hurry the fuck up, Zach. Um, one thing I like about the Christopher Priest run from what little I have read and what I've read about it is Black Panther was not taken very seriously before Priest got his hands on the character. And one of his goals was to change it so he was taken seriously because he didn't want to be... He didn't want Black Panther to be one of the B-level Avengers that does not look impressive because Thor is next to him. He needed to make him impressive in his own right. And as much as I've always liked Black Panther... If Priest hadn't done that, we would not have had Chadwick Boseman playing Panther just two years mm-hmm. ago. Fuck. It's good. I need to read more of it. <laughs> we keep saying, I'm like, I started reading it now. I need to finish it. But It's a weird book. There are parts of, as I said, I really like Priest, but every once in a while, I'm like, God, this is not, I am not enjoying what I am reading right now. Mm-hmm. So he can be a little uneven. Um, but he puts a lot of thought into his work, which always, always has me excited. I do have to say, I there's times it looks really silly, but I really enjoy uh, caped panther costume. I was curious about that. The variations on the panther costume is a very wildly, like, not argued, but the, the opinions very strongly. Some people really don't like... Fancy Black Panther. They want, I mean, even the like silver decorations from the movie and stuff, people just want black. black. I really like in the Tanahisi Coates way of doing it, where the shading around the mouth is made to look almost more like a, a panther's mouth. So it gives him more of that cat look. Mm-hmm. Putting my hands in front of my microphone and talking into them. So, whoops. But uh, other people really like, you know, the full-on Black Panther with the big cape and the gold bling and sometimes even some fur over the top of it going all out. I guess, what do you prefer? Uh, how do you, how, what is your ideal Black Panther costume? So, oh, God. Um, most of the ta coats run is drawn by Brian Stelfreeze. 
But there's a couple issues that aren't, and I'm trying to remember who the name of the other artist is. Leonard Kirk does some work. Oh, in the uh, International Empire of Wakanda. No, part, some of the early. So the, one of the in that run, there's an iteration of the costume that's pretty close to what you were describing. With like, it makes it look more like like a panther face. Mm-hmm. But the way that the artist tended to do it was if you were far away, it looked like a panther face. And when you got up close, it was kind of stylized onto his face itself. And you could actually see the human as well underneath. That's a, I've really fucking dug that. That's a well done thing. For me, it's variable. Like when he's going off on his like missions, I don't necessarily want him wearing the full cape and the full everything it gets it was pointed out that he's supposed to be stealthy and that is very not (laughs) stealthy but i like him to have that for like when he wants to show some pomp and circumstance or when he wants to make sure he's taken seriously show up in full yeah full regalia i also appreciate the in again the ta-nehisi coats run a lot of times when he's not being panther he's wearing like traditional african clothing over the panther costume which i really like Mm -hmm. batman i generally want to look like batman i think the black panther costume can be pretty variable based off whatever the needs of the moment are because he has to be as we've talked about sometimes the superhero sometimes the leader sometimes the king of wakanda and sometimes a soldier and all of those have different requirements yeah Requirements that are really hard to balance, as I learned by reading those fucking storylines. <laughs> yes. Uh, I don't think he comes up in any of those. There is a character that Priest created that was a spinoff of Black Panther named White Tiger. Hmm. Who, uh, at the very end of the Black Panther run of his run, sales were flagging, so they decided to change up the uh, change up the book. And so they had a cop from America because Black Panther was operating in America a lot for some reason. Um, steal an old Black Panther uniform or find one and become like a knockoff Black Panther. And they eventually change it up and give him an all white costume and like a leather jacket because it was kind of like the. Uh, uh, what are they? The called? war dogs or whatever yeah, they're yeah, called. The Hatut something. Hatut. I'm not going to try. I'm too white. Um. But, I mean, it, it looked like the Panther costume, and but it was white, and it was all white. In the same way that a lot of times he'll be all black to make him stick out a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and they made it look like this costume was glowing. It's real cool. It's not Black Panther, but it is Black Panther enough. Like, gotcha. it, it, he's a spinoff enough that I, I keep hoping he's going to pop up in the Ta-Nehisi Coats, because they've used fucking everyone else. They used a dude from Fantastic Force, and Fantastic Force is a remarkably bad comic book. <laughs> X-Force was really popular, so a rumor that they were going to X-Force the Fantastic Four came out, mm-hmm. and the editor-in-chief was like, well, they came up with the idea. We might as well do it before someone else does. <laughs> and so Fantastic Force happened. It's bad. That's who who's from um he's in avengers of the new world the, oh, okay. the next i didn't run. get to the adventure and then. he wears like green and yellow mm. and i think he has earth-based powers they don't use him much gotcha but okay. clearly ta coats has read 
everything that came before when he was given the job of writing Black Panther. I mean, he's a big fucking nerd in the first place. Like, he was already Mm -hmm. in his weekly column at The Atlantic that usually discusses politics. He'd sometimes just talk about comic books instead. So... Also, yeah, fucking Tomahawkey Coates fucking wrote Black Panther. Like, that's insane. One of the most important writers in America, probably. He's writing Captain America right now, and I haven't read it, but I want to. That was actually how I got my girlfriend to go to Black Panther with me when it was in the movies. You were like Ta-Nehisi Coates? Was... I was like, this is supposed to be inspired by Ta-Nehisi Coates to run. And she's like, wait, who? <laughs> Back the and fuck I'm up like, there? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I know you know who that is. Let's go. <laughs> That's great. That says wonderful things about your girlfriend amongst other things. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, the Nation Under Our Feet um, storyline... And the movie, although not similar in what actually happens, are wonderful companion pieces. Oh, they work very well together. One thing I like about Nation Under Our Feet is it's one of the first ones to really challenge the idea of he's a king. Like, there's a lot of reasons why him being a king is kind of important. But also, it's 2020. Like, just one man in charge of everything is not exactly a Mm -hmm. great look for the world these days. And I mean, and like... Like in the movie, Killmonger is kind of right. He's just an extremist. Like most of the other factions in A Nation Under Our Feet are at least partially right. They got points in the Midnight Angels who are introduced in oh that. God, or, the Midnight Angels are so fucking cool. Those two are introduced in it. The Midnight Angel armor had existed in a previous story. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are Dora Malahe, who... <laughs> two lesbian Dora Malahe, which I'm just pointing out because... Black lesbians is still not a common thing in comic books, and these two kick ass and are openly affectionate to each other, who break away from the Dora Malahe, have awesome fucking experimental power armor that lets them fly and do cool energy things. And the armor just looks fucking And looks dope. And um, makes... Starts leading a revolution, being like, hey, women aren't being treated well, and maybe we shouldn't just have a king in the year 2020. No one man should be in charge. It was a very clever move to make them right. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, everyone was a little bit right, at least. Not one of the guys. There's one dude that just is kind of an asshole, but uh, that's okay. Just dropping everything. I don't know if you can hear that, but... Like, if you like the movie, read at least that storyline. It also does insanely cool things with Shuri. That's the yeah. thing I can imagine. And it kind of sums up why I don't necessarily want her to be the next Black Panther, or if they do, only temporarily, like she was in the comics. Not because I don't think she can be Black Panther, but because we can see she can be so much more. Because in this version, Ta-Nehisi Coates was so devoted to everything that happened before. Shuri's dead at the beginning of his run. And we see her in the whatever, I don't remember what it's called, but it's the the afterlife, basically, that we see a little bit in the movie. The... Last G- week you said it was the Shadowlands. Yeah, it's not the Shadowlands, it's like the Giala, something like that. I'm sorry, I don't know what it's called. But she meets... 
basically the female spirit of all women in Wakanda, just known as mother. She keeps saying she's, I'm all your mothers. Mm -hmm. And she is taught the history of the legends of Wakanda. And as she does that, she gains new different abilities. So she gains the ability to turn to stone. She gains the ability to turn into a bunch of birds. And when she gets back, she's still Shuri. She's still genius inventor, scary lady, but she is also more the living memory of Wakanda. Basically like she's connected to a way that the black Panther can't be. And the black Panther's already real connected to Wakanda. If you know Dresden, she's kind of Ivy. Mm -hmm. She's so cool in it. And her design is just baller that I'd be kind of bummed if they just put her in a variation of the Black Panther costume again. And she looked good as that. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I want to see her as Black Panther, but like I said, as a stepping stone to that, preferably. I want to see her her, more. Have her step away from Black Panther, not because she can't be Black Panther, but because no one else can be what she needs to become. And the problem is with any legacy character is no matter what amazing things they accomplish, no matter what Wally West does as the flash or Sam Wilson does as captain America or whoever, they will always be compared to the original. Mm-hmm. So she will always be stuck in T'Challa's shadow. If she just continues to be the black Panther and she's too strong a character to spend her whole existence stuck in T'Challa's shadow. Also, they're a great fucking team together, and I really love that. I do. I mean, I like them. I do like in the movie we get. I like Shuri kind of as like the gadget maker, which you don't get as much in the comics because the comics have T'Challa being more of a scientist himself. Yep. It does pick up more later after the movie came out. They're like, man, we should really play up that part. Mm -hmm. Um, Because she's she's. Her character just fits into that role really well anyway, but Shuri's not to diminish her in any way. No, absolutely. She's just fun when she's doing that stuff. (laughs) When she's like recording her brother get screwed over by her inventions is amazing. It's one of the funniest moments in that. It's also just talk Chadwood Boseman here for a second. That is a, I don't know. Do you have siblings? Yeah. 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 Because that is such a beautifully accurate way of siblings that like each other. Mm-hmm. Cause they'll still absolutely, I, my sister and I will fuck with each other or make fun of each other, but I, you know, I've mm-hmm. still got her back. She's got mine in a way that those two covered just beautifully. They felt like they were really related, which doesn't yeah. always happen in movies. No, no, their fucking chemistry was amazing. So good. So yeah, those were some of the scenes where like, cause I, I was reading cause I've seen the movie. Like it was the first Marvel of the Marvel movies, it was the first one that I actually bought to like bring into my home so I could rewatch. Oh, okay, wow. I never bought any of the others. As much as I probably would still rank like Iron Man is probably my favorite. Like the I never bought great. Iron Man. I bought it. I saw it like eight times in theaters because that was during the era that I still watched a lot of movies in theaters and streaming hadn't really become a thing yet. But Black Panther, oh, I mean, I still remember that feeling of going see it in the theaters. And like seeing Wakanda open up for the first time. It's magical. I, it was a weird, I talked about this a bit on the, the uh, Tarantino episode. uh, Cause it tied into how I felt about Django Unchained, but like growing up 
mixed race and there not being a lot of Latinx representation anywhere in the time period that we grew up, it was a it was a lot easier to find black representation, which was closer than seeing all white guys. Yeah. So I grew up seeking out black heroes. And so like getting to see Black Panther and seeing Wakanda made me, it's always been this feeling of like, all right, so we're next. It's real important. And that's the thing that I definitely cannot state properly as a super white dude, as I have mentioned several mm -hmm. times in this episode and on this show in general, uh, that the, the reaction some of my nerd friend, some of my black nerd friends have had of like how, how important black Panther is to them in a way that no character ever really will be for me. Cause people that represent me on media are just a dime a dozen. Yeah. Um, I think my main representation was Speedy Gonzalez. Ooh. I'm sorry. No, we fucking love him. Oh, okay. Because he's exact opposite of all the fucking lazy stereotypes. That's true. I guess when I am uh, <laughs> thinking of how racist Speedy Gonzalez is, it's not necessarily Speedy himself, but... But his cousin. <laughs> but his cousin and every other... Mouse, yeah. Mouse and person in those and... Ooh, yeah. But Speedy's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thing I didn't mention about Shuri that I thought was super interesting. She doesn't didn't exist in comics till like 2003. Wow. She's almost 40 years younger than Black Panther is. Damn. But because there's so little... I mean, Jungle Fury or Jungle Action ran for like 9 to 12 issues. Uh, the volume one, the Jack Kirby run, ran for like 18 issues. There was a four-issue miniseries and there was... The Christopher Priest run. The Priest run was the first, like, real long Black Panther stuff. So a lot of his creations, a lot of, like, the major parts of his story are only within the last 30 years. As opposed to Peggy Carter or Nick Fury or all the, like, big cap things have been around, have been baked in the clay since pretty close to the very beginning. So it's interesting to watch... Panther is a much more evolving character than you, you're you really used to getting from a Marvel character by 2020. Hmm. I wish I had been more into Black Panther earlier than I was. Same here. I wasn't. I didn't really care about him until Chadwick Boseman. Like, I, I mean, I knew he was a character. I knew why he was important, but I never really, other than the Jack Kirby book i never really sought out black panther and even that one i only sought it out because jack kirby and he's great and the entire point of this episode we like black panther yeah i mean i get yeah back in the day i knew enough so that like when the movie was going to come out or whatever and people would ask some sort of variation of like why should i be excited for this i was able to tell them some things like because he's a fucking badass that has that's enhanced already and then also has a suit and is a king and is waste like just as smart as Tony. Yeah. And rich as shit too. <laughs> <laughs> there is no one that Black Panther kowtows to. There's no one that can intimidate him, which I appreciate. He can talk to Captain America or Tony Stark or even stand up to Thor. Stand up on his own, right? He's one of the few characters in the Marvel Universe that Doctor Doom talks to with respect. Mm -hmm. 
I mean, he'll also try and take over Wakanda and be a giant douche to him, but like he. But he, that'll happen when you're living the Marvel. Universe. He treats Doom treats Black Panther much like he treats Namor, which is as close to an equal as you can get, while still being Doctor Doom. That was a big moment when those two talked to T'Challa, like a like an equal in the in the comics in the Christopher Priest run. Like I've read people talking about how that was a defining moment of that run. Well, it was just neat that you, with the character of T'Challa, you get to even see moments like that from those characters. You know what I mean? Like. Mm-hmm. You don't have many other characters run into those guys and able to have that kind of conversation that they have any of the times they meet up. But then what's also fun about him is you can put him on street level stuff, much like how Spider-Man will work on almost any level. Black Panther does too, just in a different way. Mm -hmm. His his power set is similar enough to a lot of street level heroes that you can put him in there. There was actually a run where... Uh, he was recovering from some trauma and Daredevil needed to take some time off. So he Daredevil was like, hey, do you want to look after Hell's Kitchen for a while? And there's like a 30-issue run of Black Panther in the world of Daredevil, like taking on the Kingpin and Lady Bullseye and all that stuff. And he works there too. You put him, put him with Luke Cage is amazing because you get two characters that very much epitomize aspects of the black experience in black culture, but in exact opposite ways, but they deal with each other with respect as opposed to, it would have been so easy to have those two fight or not like each other, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of be dicks to one another and they'll fight, but while still being like, you're the motherfucking black Panther. You're one of the like four people in the world that Luke Cage looks up to. Fuck, Black Panther's cool. Yeah, I don't really have that much more. Black Panther is cool. My recommendations are going to be a couple of runs to check out. I already said what the run I'm going to say to check out is. I just haven't told you guys what it is yet, so... I think we have. But uh, on that note, I guess, unless you have anything else to say, let's just jump to that point. Um, I mean, other than I fucking like the suits so cool... We already talked about it a little bit, but just in general, like... It's definitely one that benefited from the advancements in uh, the technology for printing and making comic books. Mm -hmm. Because in a lot of his early appearances, it's fine. It's, It's still a strong suit design, but it was so simplified that it was really easy to just... Black blob. Yeah, he didn't stand out, especially in any Avengers when you've got like... Thor and the Vision and Hawkeye next to him, all larger than life. Black Panther diffused the background too much. He's still, it's still a beautifully simple design, but it is just having that more detail lets him still stand out as a simple design as opposed to getting lost. And I guess just a a super quick 10 second shout out because I did Considering it's Black Panther and what the movie is, we don't need to shine a light too hard on the uh, on the white guys. But goddamn Martin Freeman and fucking Gollum. Uh, who's that? Andy actor? Circus. Uh, Andy Circus looked like he was having the time of oh, his life. His fucking SoundCloud rap. <laughs> he is one of my only critiques of that movie. Is Claw is not made to be very dangerous, and it's easy to underestimate Claw because he's a goofy motherfucker. 
but he's actually a really, really dangerous villain. Mm -hmm. But I also get how this man is made of living sound was going to be a hard pull with a live action comic book movie. But yes, definitely Martin Freeman and Andy Serkis are great. That in, when we say that entire cast is amazing, we mean that entire cast is fantastic. Oh Damn. my God. Uh, fuck Michael B. Jordan. I almost didn't want to bring him up because I'd start talking about him too much rather than Bozeman and Bozeman just passed. But You know, when it first came out, a lot of people were like, Michael B. Jordan overshadowed Bozeman. And as I've had time to watch it, I don't agree with that. But Michael B. Jordan is so compelling and makes Killmonger such a strong, strong character. Uh, and I think he felt like he overshadowed Bozeman at first because... One, we had never really had a character like that in cinema, or at least in, like, big tentpole cinema. Mm -hmm. And he's so... Not ostentatious. He's so loud. Unapologetically so. Mm -hmm. that, it, that he feels... Confident. He knows he's right. That he steals every scene that he's in. But watching it later, I, I did really realize how strong Bozeman really was against him. But he's not playing that same loud no, character. I, I mean, his whole story is to have to take these things in from all these different parts of his mm -hmm. life and be like, so where do we go forward? Where do we go forward? And that same, his quiet confidence was so, it, it's such a good balance to Michael B. Jordan's that I think with a different actor in either case, both of the roles would have been brought down. Other actors could have played those roles, but the chemistry those two had, even in their very brief scenes, made each other stronger. And I want to keep seeing Winston Duke in Everything Forever, fucking M'Baku. He was so good. And I don't know his name on this one either, because if he is in the comics, very little Okoyo's husband, the, oh, the uh, army leader who was a Rota Rhino. Enjabi? Uh, Enjabi, thank you. Enjabi was real good. He once again was understandable Maybe don't turn on your wife like that, like bad and jobby. But oh, Wakabi. Sorry, Wakabi. That was my bad. Wakabi. Um, yeah, played by Daniel Kaluuya. Kaluuya. He was also very good. Coming, coming off of uh, Get Out, which is amazing. Holy shit, Get Out's good. Everyone, I could just literally name every character in that and be like, they were so good. Actually, since we have just said some of the character names, I do want to just Chadwick Boseman is T'Challa, Michael B. Jordan, and Jadaka, Eric Killmonger. Uh, Lupita Nyong'o as Nakia. Uh, Denai Guerrera as Okoye. I have to admit, I had those two swapped of which one Lupita was playing mm. for way longer than I want to admit to. Uh, Letitia Wright is Shuri. Uh... Said Martin Freeman, Winston Duke, Angela Bassett as Ramonda, uh, Forrest Whitaker played Zuri, and that's the main cast. Uh, John Connie uh, was T'Chaka in the. Mm -hmm. And his son played young T'Chaka? Uh, yes. At a, uh, Atandwa uh, Connie. Awesome. Awesome. Watch the movie, read the comics, check out. 
Or I will save it for the recommendation. Eh, fuck it. This is the recommendations now. Welcome We're to recommendations. The, welcome to recommendations. Um, it's on Disney Plus, Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. It was the one of the Avengers series, and it takes place before Avengers Assemble. Like, it came out before Avengers Assemble. It is very heavily based off of a mix of, like, the old-school uh, Stan Lee, Roy Thomas era of Avengers mixed in with the Brian Bendis era of Avengers, so, like, Secret Invasion, Civil mm. War, mm-hmm. stuff like that. And it has one of my favorite versions of Black Panther in it. It's, one, just a very fun, in its uh, kids' cartoon mirroring some Silver Age comic book stuff. But that Panther is a very strong character and he comes in like Panther should holding no apologies to who he is or what he does. And in a, a series where Tony Stark was one of the like always on top of things, because this is the height of Tony Stark fandom, having someone have no time for Tony's shit like Black Panther is always my favorite. And then my other recommendation, check out Jack Kirby's, uh, Black Panther run. I can't believe I just forgot the words Black Panther. <laughs> Check out Jack Kirby's Black Panther run. It is absolutely balls to the wall. It's insane, and it does not stop. I remembered one other thing I actually wanted to say about. I'm Black, sorry, that about was Black Panther. I, I jumped us forward. No, it's fine because it took me all this time. I was going to say it at the very fucking beginning of the episode, and it took all this time for me to think about it when we were first introducing during the time period of Black Panther. Kind of created before the Black Panther Party? Definitely created before the Black Panther Party. I cannot believe I did not tell this part. Well, wasn't it like... Because Black Panther Party took the name from a different group. Didn't that group already exist? I think so, but it was before Black Panther had reached the national attention on any scale. Um, Actually, they briefly, for like one issue, tried to change his name to Black Leopard because they didn't want to associate it with the Black Panther because the public perception of the Black Panthers for reasons that we're not getting into here was not good. But he decided against it. I think that was Roy Thomas Mm. writing at the time. I'm not 100% sure on that because he didn't want to cheapen who the Black Panther was by tying him to something as topical as that, which is associating him with the Black Panthers does not actually cheapen the character, but I get what they wanted. He didn't want it the character to be distracted by something people were arguing over. He wanted him to be, again, a king in his own right. But that, of course, uh, when we get to the movie, that's why Oakland, if anybody was wondering. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, fucking recommendations. I just wanted to throw that out because I always thought that that was interesting, that they were super close in time period, but not related. They were both in the 60s. I mean, they were both connect directly connected to civil rights. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, I've already said it a couple times, Intergalactic Empire Wakanda. It's fits into the Ta-Nehisi Coates. I mean, it's the last part of the Ta-Nehisi Coates run. Um, it is, and it ties into all of that shit, like the, the nation at our feet and everything else. But it's weird. I don't want to give away too much, but the setup is... 2,000 years ago, an offshoot of Wakandans founded an empire in a far-off galaxy. That empire uh, grew and took the uh, protect ourselves motto to the extreme and ended up forming an empire that is completely imperialistic and based on slavery. 
Ooh, I did not know the slavery part. What they do to the slaves is, and how they build the might of their empire is when they take a slave, they basically do a, a mind download and wipe. So the slaves are all known as the nameless. They don't know who their names, they don't know their families. They're taken away from that and made to work in the vibranium mines. And, but it's not just they take that identity from them, they download it and use all the information. Gross. <laughs> so in this time period, there's a group of rebels known as the Maroons, which if anybody knows Haiti slave history, and a new, uh, a new one of the nameless has recently escaped the Vibranium Mines or was busted out from the Vibranium Mines in a raid and has joined their ranks and seems to be fighting with the strength of 20 men. And they have currently named him T'Challa because he reminds them of the legends of T'Challa the Avenger. <laughs> Damn. But because this is a society based on Wakanda... Like some of there's an Mbaku, there's a uh, there's what, a Nakia, there's, there's a Nakia, Oyoko. there's an Okoye, Okoye, sorry, um, there's uh, what was so Ramonda is his adopted mom. I yes. can't remember his real mom's name off the top I of my head, know. but there's one of her, and it's Emperor and Jadaka. The man ape again. The man ape works as like no, and Jadaka is Killmonger. Oh, right. Sorry. That's yeah. my bad. Emperor Killmonger. That's Mbatu, the man-ape. Again, Killmonger, man-ape, way less... Killmonger's not bad anyways, but way less racist when it's like a descriptor and not just the title. But here's mm. part of the selling point. It's like high action sci-fi. So like a bunch of like dogfighting and shootouts and you're in the middle of an intergalactic war with pretty much all black people. Which, when was the last time you saw that? Never. But it's also very, like, if you're reading into it, it's like, the Wakandan Empire is kind of Britain. And, like... Mm -hmm. Usually, oh, hey, let's look at slavery, but have the black people taking the slaves is a storyline that makes me go, oh, I don't think we actually want to do this. But I'll trust Ta-Nehisi Coates oh, no, it's, to be able it's to do It's really that. well like, done. Really well done. So, I don't know. Yeah, there's a... Um, it's cool. It's super. It's super fucking cool. I'm really enjoying reading it. I'm we'll, we'll going do an, to finish it when we are done. We'll do an episode once, uh, uh, someday. <laughs> yeah, I think, once I can read the whole goddamn. Yeah, thing. I think you're gonna fucking super dig it in a big way. And then it gets weird, like kind of like Battlestar gets weird at a point. And if you've ever watched through the, all the new Battlestar, you know what I'm talking about. High concept sci-fi always gets fucking weird. I mean, we were just talking about Dune. Yeah, where yeah, it moves away from being straight sci-fi and like Bast has always been involved in the Black Panther stuff, so like that all comes to a head too. The major storyline of uh, Avengers of the New World, the second, there's there's three story arcs in uh, the Ta-Nehisi Coates run. The second one is the gods of Wakanda have disappeared and T'Challa's being like, "Hey, what the fuck?" That that gets resolved in Intergalactic. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, I can't, it's weird, it's crazy, it's really scratching an itch that I didn't know I had for, like, sci-fi dogfights right now. And, yeah, that's fucking great, we're just, <laughs> it'll get you through until the new Star Wars game comes out. Pretty much. Um, 
that actually is kind of perfect segue into where we're going next week, because we are going into the world of sci-fi, although in a very different way than dogfights, with Star Trek Lower Decks. Season isn't finished yet, right? No. They're... We keep doing this, we talk about shit in the middle of the season, and it just means that we have to talk about it again later, so I don't mind. I'm sure, I mean, we got a Mando episode coming up soon because of that. Um, we will be covering, or by the time we've recorded this, the first six episodes will have come out. We're not entirely sure of how we'll be covering those, but somewhere in the first half of the season, roughly. Yeah. I'm excited because I've seen the first episode and I fucking dug it, so... Once again, Yay. we'll get into representation matters, but in a Yay. completely different way. Yay. Um, in order to listen to us talk about that next week, please hit subscribe however you're listening to us right now. Uh, also, if you can rate and review however you're listening to us right now, that would be super, 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 super cool because algorithms in the world being ran on them and getting people to hear our stuff and, like, you want us to be heard, right? Like, you're listening to us. I, I assume you want us to this be heard. This is a weirdly passive-aggressive description <laughs> of this one, Tyler. <laughs> hey, hey, I'm just trying to see if it works. <laughs> um... Along with that, you can always go check out our website, www.generalnerdcast.com. Uh, check out our entire back catalog there. Contact us through there or by emailing us, generalnerdrypod at gmail.com. While you're over at the website, if you click the links up at the top, we are part of the Earvern Podcast Network. Uh, listen to all the shows on there. Listen to me talk about horror movies over on Fried Squirm. Zach? You can listen to me on The Art of Wargaming talk about war and wargaming and war treatises. And that is E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com to just check out the network in general and keep up with all the things that are going to be coming up, like Word Balloons, which we already previewed for you guys. Yep. Still in the works, guys. Should be Still recording, coming. I think, the last few episodes of this week. Yeah. Um, and then find us, General Nerdery, across the social medias. Yep, we're on all of them. We don't do it a lot, but we update. But we do it. We're you getting guys better. Are, you guys would have known that I suck at Tony Hawk a lot sooner if you followed our Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> we'll find out how bad I suck uh, after this episode. Yeah. Oh, it's going to be just well, a Before you bath. hear this episode, but after we finish this. Oh, it's going to be a bloodbath, dude. It's <laughs> weird. It's so weird picking it up after so long. Uh, but so that we can get to that, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Dismissed. <laughs>